listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service. Educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 317, entitled Interview with Ben Bishop from Bishop Landscape Group. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions and comments and the feedback that you guys have been sending through. I really do appreciate that. And again, like I say uh, at the top of every show, uh, if you guys do uh, get value from, uh, in particular, these uh, interview episodes, uh, the best way to let me know about that is to uh, drop a review on Apple's uh, iTunes, uh, on their Apple Podcasts. Uh, like I've said, it's the single most important thing you can do to help uh, spread the word uh, that you uh, get uh, value uh, from these types of podcasts. So uh, this week we have another uh, interview uh, lined up with you guys. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Ben Bishop to the show. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me today. Awesome. Thanks for uh, volunteering to be my next victim. No, this is fun. I'm uh, (laughs) looking forward to it and and sharing my knowledge and and failures with everybody. So, Uh uh, you know, we've all made mistakes and we've all had success, so... It's good for us all to talk about it. Awesome. So let's uh, dive right into it. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, so I'll kind of give you, um, I call it the 12-year background of my business. So okay. I, um, I started landscaping when I was 16, like every other boy with a lawnmower and a, and a street with somebody wanting to pay for them. And from there, um, we, we grew the company from when I was a junior in high school, senior in high school. We grew it to three employees while I was in school. I had crews out running, which was great. Um, and then from there, I graduated from high school and went to North Metro Technical College um, and studied horticulture there for a year. Yeah. And then um, shortly after that, you know, obviously during that time was the 2009-10, you know, economy crash. Um, from that standpoint, uh, where I grew up in Atlanta, if if you were out of work and you owned a lawnmower and a truck or an SUV, you pretty much started mowing grass. And okay. That was how a lot of families put food on the table and. And it made business and, and competition very, very hard. So we kind of shifted our model and went into the um, the foreclosure, property cleanup, and property rekeying business for a bank uh, that's no longer around called Bank of North Georgia. Okay. So what we would do uh, from a company standpoint is we would come in, we would clean up the yards, the properties, we'd finish cleaning out the house from where the former residents had left. Um, we'd rekey the locks for them. And then we'd throw it into a maintenance schedule for us. Okay. And so that was kind of our that was kind of our bread and butter for eight ten months. Um, and then we we kind of took a step back and said, Hey, look, you know, we're not making a lot of money on this. You know, why are we doing it? And so that was where we made the decision to go back into what we knew, which was uh, design, build, landscape, and into maintenance. And so I did that for another year. And I said, You know, it's probably time for me to move on and do something else. I was twenty two. I was like, it's been fun. I'm going to walk away. So I ended up selling my company to uh, to another guy there in, um, there in the Roswell area. And for the last, uh, I would say, nine years, I've been in the – or last eight years, I've been in the uh, food service equipment business, doing commercial food service equipment manufacturing sales. Okay. And and, and then last year, I uh, obviously, with everything that happened in the food service industry with, with COVID, 
I um I was furloughed from my job and and my wife looked at me and you know we had just had a baby um and she said you know my my child was two weeks old and she said what do you want to do and I said I would I really want to get back into landscaping and she said well go do it mm-hmm. and I said there could not be a worse time we yeah. bought a house we've got a baby you know and she said look if that's your passion you know you can have every night and weekend you want to build a company back up. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, the, the level of support I got from her was just unbelievable. And, um, you know, that's, that's just been so great to have her on my side. And, and every night that, you know, I'm not able to be home, you know, cause I've got, you know, jobs to do or, or people to see and that kind of stuff. She has just been tremendously supportive of it. And so that's, that's kind of where we've been over the last, uh, where I've been over the last 11, 12 years. Um, and so we kind of, you know, develop this whole, this whole thing. It's, it's kind of off and running where, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I grew up in the Roswell, Georgia area, which is a suburb of Atlanta. Um, you know, there's 7 million people in Atlanta. I would say in Roswell is probably close to 3 million. Um, when I got married, I married a girl from small town, South Georgia. And, um, two weeks prior to getting married, she said, Hey, I want to move home. And I was like, cool. You know, I'm, I'm totally fine with small town, South Georgia. And, so we moved to a little town called Waycross down here. Um, and there is, uh, there's 38,000 people in the, I guess you could say surrounding area. Mm-hmm. And so, um, land mass wise, Waycross or Ware County is actually the largest county east of the Mississippi River. Okay. So land mass wise, we're a massive county, but we only have 38,000 people. So okay. you can imagine the struggle from a standpoint goes, uh, from a pure, uh, I want to say economic standpoint, but from a quantity, uh, versus quality standpoint of clients. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we are and that's where I am today. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting story. You especially the uh I love the uh the beginning part there that you're talking about uh you know uh, being a kid going to school and uh, you're already starting to hire some employees. You sound like another uh, Corey Ballard. Uh you know. Yeah, go- it was uh wish I had stuck with it, you know. Maybe yeah. it would have been Corey. Um the, uh, you know, the funny thing about that, I mean, we'll kind of go back, uh, and tell this story a little more in detail. So I started, you know, junior year, uh, couldn't have happened worse for my family, but it couldn't have been better for my business. My dad lost his job mm-hmm. and, um, well, and he lost it. He took a, took a two year package, uh, you know, however, what you really want to put it, he was, he was able to take some time and he was able to take a year and he said, Hey, I'm just going to come work for you. And no. I was like, okay, you're, you know, you're, early fifties, you're not, you know, you're not exactly a runner or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, but cool, you know, I've got two guys that don't have driver's licenses. I need for you to drive them around, you know, come pick my drive me to school every day, drop me off in my truck and, and then go drive them around and then come pick me back up. And so he did that for about two weeks and he's like, man, this is exhausting. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I'm dying from the heat. And it's so funny because I've listened to other podcasts and everybody talks about how it just takes a special person yeah. in this industry from the heat and the weather and everything. And, um, and it's funny. I mean, still to this day, he's, uh, he's 62 now. And when he's down here visiting uh, me and my wife and, and his granddaughter, he'll still go out with me and do some stuff. And, and it's fun to kind of have him still around. I mean, but without, you know, we go back to support and family support. I mean, without his support, um, when I was in high school and like doing simple things like go and ordering sod for me and going ordering plants and making sure everything's staged for that weekend or, you know, checking on properties, you know, there was situations like that that were just invaluable for someone who, you know, was without a pocket for six hours a day because of school, um, 
you know, that was, that was one of the greatest things. And, you know, and I'll be, you know, I, I went to Lasseter high school, ever married to Georgia. I had some extremely supportive teachers, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the point where I, I would just step out of the classroom and say, I got to take this phone call. Like it's work. And, uh, and they were, they were totally fine with it. I mean, they said, Hey Ben, we totally get it. I mean, you're running a business, you're, you're steps above where you should be right now. So we're going to support it. And, you know, I had, I had teachers uh, such as Carrie Palmer. I mean, she's a huge supporter of the entrepreneurship class over there or was when I was there and huge support of me and, um, and just, you know, Spanish teacher, that was a huge support. And so, you know, there's, there's some people that you, you kind of look back at your, your previous success or when you got started. And it's those people that were there, you know, the people that helped you along the way. And I think those are, I think those are so important to sometimes sit back and, Think about those individual people. Yeah. Because you may think it's always you, you, you during the day or you're exhausted. And it's like, you know, those people gave you a chance and they, and they really helped you. And, and that's something that I like to do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. So at that young, young age, um, what first attracted you to lawn care? Like, what was it about lawn care that you, uh, you know, wanted to uh, give it a shot and, and, you know, be a young budding entrepreneur? So it was like uh, it's like every other little boy, you know. I grew up with the rubber boots on and in a neighborhood that was being built, and, um, and so I was always playing on the the dozers and everything else that were in the neighborhood from the contractors. And, okay, and and so it was, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I was always around equipment, always loved it. Um, and then, you know, I guess at the age of twelve, Dad said, "Hey, I'm you know, I had a boy, you're twelve, you know, can you mow the grass?" I said, "Perfect." So then I had. I had another friend in the neighborhood and they said, Hey, you know, what would you charge to do it every other week? And I stopped, I stopped at the time, um, a guy and I said, Hey, you know, what do you charge? And he said, 40 bucks. And I said, okay. And I said, I'll do it for 30. And they were like, okay, cool. And so they were like, you know, come do it once a week. And I said, perfect. So it kind of just snowballed from that, um, turning into what it, what the, I, I would say what the passion is today. Of, okay. You know, being able to take something that that's not so pretty and make it pretty right there before your eyes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest appeal of, of this industry to me is, is I don't want to say instant gratification, but you know, there's definitely something about pulling up to a yard and leaving with those, you know, those beautiful stripes down at that Brian and everybody else always talks about, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and the crisp edges and, and that kind of stuff. There's just something about, leaving there and, and feeling that, that, that satisfaction that's kind of driven my passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I definitely get it. I, it's funny. Um, you know, you, that self pride that you have when you're uh, doing a yeah. lawn like that. And, um, you know, I say, you know, if you look through my camera roll on my phone, it's pictures of the same property week after week after week. Right. And I, I always joke <laughs> yeah. that if your lawn guy isn't taking pictures of his work every week, he's doing it wrong. Right. He should have yeah. that pride, uh, that, uh, you know, to be willing to want to take a photo, even though he, it's the same photo that he took the week before and the week before that and the week before that, but it just looks That's so exactly good right. each time that it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hilarious. Um, so in your, uh, currently you said you restarted there uh, last year. Uh, during the pandemic and stuff, you kind of found your way back uh, to lawn care and landscaping. Um, so is it currently uh, your main income um, or is it, um, you know, just something that you're doing now uh, to get you through 
um, sort of the pandemic times and stuff like that? Are you planning on, uh, you know, like if uh, you that other job were to call you back? That's a great question. So I actually ended up leaving. um, I ended up leaving that company in May of 2020 last year after they furloughed me. Okay. They said, hey, it's going to be 90 days. Um, I said, well, you know, at the same time, I was like, I told my wife, I said, I want a new lawnmower. She said, all right. She said, what are you going to get? And I said, you know, I was in the landscaping business. I was like, yeah, just a typical lawn tractor doesn't work for me. And she was like, of course it doesn't. And so I, I went to the dealership. And of course, I, I stumbled upon a shiny orange Husqvarna zero turn. And I said, you know, it's time. And um, and so I, I brought it home. And she goes, what are you going to do with that thing? And I said, I'm going to mow more grass than just ours. She said, okay. And, um, and so... You know, long story short, I'm, I'm still with a I'm still with a kitchen equipment company. Okay. Um, yeah, but one with uh, one I would say one with a lot of flexibility. Okay. Um, yeah, I work from home. I, I you know I manage a pretty large account for them. Um, got a great team. Actually, one of the guys that works for me on my team at this company used to do landscaping for me back in uh, 2009, 2010, and he's kind of followed me throughout his career to different food service equipment dealers, that kind of stuff. So this is, so this started, um, so this started as a, Hey, I'm going to do it to get me through the pandemic and to pay for this lawnmower that I just bought. Um, that my wife, you know, was like, are you sure you need that expensive of a lawnmower to do our house? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to do landscaping to now it's a passion. Yeah. yeah. So, it's been a different, um, I would say a different approach. You know, mm-hmm. I would say when I started at 16, uh, and, and this is, you know, the fact that you asked if it's my full income, it is not yet. Okay. <laughs> but the reason being is I've kind of decided to, to do it a little differently this time. I, you know, I bootstrapped that one when I was 16, just like Corey Ballard did. Um, you know, we kind of, you know, you just kind of adapt. Yeah. And this one, I said, you know what, I'm not going to go out and pass out 10,000 flyers and get everybody in town that, you know, has 40 bucks and wants to pay me a their grass or whatever it may be, whatever the price was, I was, you know, you go out at and try and go from 15 yards to a hundred yards in one season. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. You know, family is my number one. You know, I, I got to make sure I maintain that family balance. And I said, but you know what, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to build, I'm going to do it with quality customers. I'm going to do a lot of word of mouth that, you know, um, and hope that goes well. I'm going to do limited paper marketing to start off. I'm going to make sure I take really good accounting and books and, to, and really follow that kind of stuff strongly. And so I, I've kind of taken a time of, hey, I'm giving myself like a three to four year timeline of really growing it at, from the standpoint of let's do it right. You know, if you're going to build, you know, those houses that stand there for two, 300 years, they've got the foundation still underneath them. Yep. And I think a lot of people in our industry make the mistake of getting too big, too fast, and then honestly mismanage their books. And then next thing you know, they're, they're out of business because they've just, you know, everything was built on a, on a, on a paper house, on a paper foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tough, it's a tough thing to kind of tell yourself, but I think it's really, really important to make sure you have that solid foundation. Those I call them core clients. You know, those ones that are going to be with you through the thick and thin. They're going to be with you through the ups and downs of the economy, but they're going to be there to have your back when it comes to, you know, if you have a bad experience with a customer, you know, they're going to be there to support you. They're going to be there to lift you up. They're going to be there to help continue to spread the word about your business. And so I, so I kind of decided to slow down a little bit and grow it that way. I will say, uh, 
I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, we've, we've grown the business a hundred percent this year. We're getting more into design build stuff right now, which is exciting. Um, so everything's kind of going in the right direction. Like I said, just slowly. Okay. Awesome. So currently in this stage of your business, um, are you a one man operation or do you have employees? So one man with subcontractors. Okay. And how do you find that? It works well for you? I do. Um, you know, eventually I'm going to have to bring on a crew, um, to be able to help with the maintenance side. But right now it's still such a nights and weekends for me that I I don't want to make the full jump, um, until especially coming into the fall season, even though where I live, we mow grass until about November or December, Yeah, you know, I I still kind of want to wait till, uh, next spring to bring on a, a full crew and make that jump. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that sounds good. So this next, uh, question that I have for you is, uh, one of my absolute favorites. And it's because when I ask somebody who is a, uh, self-employed, uh, owner operator, anything like that, um, I usually get a different answer for, uh, you know, every time I ask the question, but when I ask somebody who is an employee of a, you know, a regular type job, uh, the answer is usually the same. So this is kind of interesting because you're kind of sitting on both sides of that, uh, equation. Yeah. So, uh, how would you, Ben Bishop define success? So, so success for me is not, is not defined on a dollar. Um, a lot of people think I'm crazy, uh, because I, you know, I tell everybody, I'm like, look, Success is not, is not to me money. So I define success personally as having a perfect balance between really your family, your work and free time. So, so hobbies, religious hobbies, whatever you're into, you know, spending time in your church, that with your family, with also your work, keeping that balance and keeping, um, everything in check to me defines success. You know, when I feel successful, on a daily, on a daily basis, it's because I've got everything, everything correct. You know, I've got my family where they need to be at number one. I've got, you know, I've got my, uh, my work at number two and I've got my, my, um, my fun and free time at number three. And that's, that's my hobbies. And obviously in our family, you know, uh, we've got a giant umbrella that, that encompasses number one every time. And that's, you know, that's our faith. So we, we do everything from a faith based standpoint, Okay. We, um, that's, that's our number one, no matter what you ask, but if you ask, but underneath that, you've got, you know, you got family, um, work and then free time. And so the, the successfulness of, of how I calculate that is, you know, if you're able to, if you're able to have food on the table, a house over your head, you know, a car that starts every time you get in it, you've got a family, you've got a support system. That to me is what, you know, classifies success in my book. Yeah. That's a great answer. That's awesome. Um, so uh, what size on the maintenance side of your business, what size properties um, are you typically maintaining? Are you, um, is it all over the board in, in terms of sizes? Most people know that for me working, um, you know, in the yeah. dense city, I'm doing very small properties uh, mainly. Yeah. So what, what, what sorts of properties are you maintaining there? So that goes back to kind of where I started. It was, you know, same thing with you, uh, quarter acre lots, you know, in and out in 30 minutes. Where, where I live now, I mean, if, for example, I live in a neighborhood and I have an acre and a half. Okay. So, I mean, like, I have a lot, I have a lot of turf. I have, like, close to 60,000 square feet of turf at my house alone. Okay. So, I would say, I would say my average property is probably three quarters of an acre to 1.2 acres. Okay. 
So it's they're large properties. Um, it's all flat where I live, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. So you can fly. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's like like Home Depot and John Deere always says on the on the on the commercial. It's like not how fast you can mow; it's how well you mow fast. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Like like down here, you know, you can have a fast lawnmower, but you're not going to be able to mow fast because it's you, know, you got bahia grass and and some other stuff. So I mean, you, you're fighting you're fighting elements that have been here for generations. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. And uh, you said typically, um, I, my my issue here is the the lawns that are larger um, typically end up being because we have so much rain most of the year. Um, they end yeah. up getting really lumpy, so you can't really go fast. Otherwise, you like you'll lose your fillings. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Well, it's funny. I'm I'm actually testing a new mower this week with a spring two with a one with a spring standing deck and then one with a spring seat because i i've just gotten beat to death over you know i'll i live in a very rural area with with sand with sand and and a little bit of clay as the compost underneath the ground and um and so like you said the rain it causes it to be lumpy but also it doesn't drain well here and yeah. so everything those that water sits and it just makes these little round you know, indentions almost like on a, on an enlarged golf ball on the ground yeah. and i mean it just tears you apart i mean it is unbelievable how fast you can destroy a mower down here yeah 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 that's crazy um so in your uh, the current state of your business you talked about uh some uh landscaping uh, type projects and the maintenance side and all that yeah. stuff do you offer any services that are not lawn care or landscaping related like power washing or window cleaning for example so, so that's funny when I, um, you know, one of the things I'm really, yeah, I kind of pride myself on for being pretty good at painting, but I enjoy it. And okay. so when I started this thing last year, I, I was, I was actually doing more painting than I was landscaping to the point where I had to put a stop to it. I was like, my back can't handle it. My hands can't handle anymore. Um, so we, we, um, we fully, we fully put a, put an end to that, you know, we do the, we do the install stuff. We do the maintenance side. You know, we don't really do the pressure washing side. That's a massive business down here where I live. Um, one of the things we do offer is we do seasonal, seasonal pickup of Christmas trees. Okay. Uh, you set it outside, you put, you put five bucks in your mailbox and we come around and pick them all up. Okay. And so that's, that, that was a huge business. That was a huge part of my business, um, in Atlanta prior to moving down here. And so, you know, we've kind of started it back up here not as lucrative down here obviously because people have plenty of room to either throw the tree out on their fence or you know know, most people down here have trucks to be able to haul it off so it's not near as lucrative as atlanta Uh, but but it's still a good business that you know you're helping some of the older people that don't want to mess with it or cannot physically mess with it you know that you know that 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 needed gone so that's something we offer um we don't you know we don't pick up dog poop i don't pick up kids toys you know i don't charge for any of that stuff um so that's, you know, I just, if, if we see that, you know, like I was, I listened to a couple of people and they've always said, you know, we charge for, for dog, for dog poop. And I, you know, and I said, look, if I've got that big of a problem with it, I'll just have a conversation with a customer. I mean, I, I've only had to have a conversation with one customer. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, I guess just totally depends in my experience <laughs> with yeah. lying. You know, I, I've told the story before where I've had a customer before, uh, his little postage stamp uh, lawn. I think I was charging yeah. him $30 to mow the lawn. Uh, this was probably, yeah. uh, it's got to be at least 10 years ago now. Um, 
and he had three dogs in this little postage stamp oh. yard. Two little dogs, uh, like a Chihuahua and some other little dog. But then he had one, uh, yeah. one large lab, and uh, he just <laughs> he just didn't get it or didn't care or was just too busy because like you could not on a little postage stamp lawn. There's like very little turf to start with, and yeah. he just couldn't walk anywhere, uh, and he just wasn't getting the the message and you know i talked to him about it and uh, i'd have my charge and the charge like i always say is not there because i'm trying to make money off of it i'm trying to deter people from yeah you know uh, leaving uh, the dog waste there so um for him i was like like i have to charge you by the pile because it's just too much um so i put in a charge is like two bucks a pile and that still didn't work. And I was billing him literally like $40, $44 for the dog poop and then $30 for the mowing part. It was like, oh you're paying God. more in service in surcharges <laughs> for dog poop than for the actual mowing. And he didn't care. It was just like, whatever. And it was just like, so it was like, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a great story. Yeah, luckily we, like I said, you kind of go back to the property side of down here. You know, we've got so much, so much turf we're mowing, and some of these properties are so large that you know the dogs have plenty of room to spread out. Um, you know, I've got two large dogs myself, and um, and I don't really see a problem with it in my backyard for every every uh, every week I mow. So you know, it, it's I think everything's a case by case basis. Yeah. You know? Same thing with, you know, people charge for if your fence is locked and they have to come back. I mean, you know, that's, that's one of those things that's where if we've got a customer and they have a fence and it's locked, it's, Hey, we need to get a copy of your key. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, cause look, I've got locks on my gate. I don't want people coming in. Yeah. So my parents have got locks on their gate. They don't want people coming in. So you give the landscaper a key or you say, Hey, look, we're going to do a, we're going to do a padlock on it with a code and here's the code and, you know, let yourself in and out and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, do you, in your business, is it all residential or do you have any commercial properties? I've got, um, I've got two commercial properties, um, mostly residential. Um, you know, what I've found from commercial properties, over the years is, you know, besides doing them on nights and weekends, which is I, what I work, you know, anyway, besides at lunchtime, I usually know a yard at lunch every day. Um, you know, I, I found that they're just, they're just dirty. I mean, there's trash everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I'm tired of picking up trash. It's, you know, ton of time, you know, it's hell on blades. It's, you know, it's just tough. And so I, I do, I do two commercial properties, um, two for one for my wife's, uh, office where she works and then one of for a, a good friend of mine his office okay and, and that's about all i do and that's about all i want to do from a commercial standpoint so that's kind of where i'm at okay so uh i'm uh, gathering from uh, that that uh between the commercial and residential you prefer doing residential work yeah 100 percent. okay so um we're going to take a quick break, uh, but before we do, the, yeah. the next question, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to think about while we have our break, and that is uh, share with us a time you struggled in your business and what you learned or did to overcome it. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and I'll let you uh, think about that for a bit. Hey, Lenny Magno with Exmark here with some food for thought when it comes to choosing the right zero-turn mowers. 
What do you value in a zero-turn mower? Productivity, reliability, cut quality, or a combination of each? At Xmark, we're constantly listening to our customers to ensure our Laser Z mowers deliver the right features, productivity, and uptime performance to help them grow their business. Visit xmark.com to learn about the innovations that make the Laser Z the green industry's most trusted zero-turn mower. Okay, so um, the next question there. Uh, share with us a time you struggled in your business and uh, what you learned or did to overcome it. It's, uh, this is a funny question, and this is a story I've told I don't know how many times over the years. And it's one of, the, it's one of those stories you're never going to forget. So I, um, so we got this job when I was 18, uh, you know, fresh out of high school. We got this huge job. It was big, you know, brand new, probably $900,000 house in Atlanta. Um, customer wanted us to come in, clear out the backyard, relevel it, French drains side, you know, walking path, stone. It was, it was a gorgeous opportunity and it was a gorgeous project. So, so we start on the project and, you know, I go and get my 50% deposit. And so like, you know, material starts showing up. And back then, um, you know, I guess banking apps weren't really a thing then. We kind of still got the deposit slips throughout the day. And, okay. and so, you know, I was pretty young, so I didn't really get the deposit slips. I was like, yeah, there's money in there. No big deal. And so, we we do this whole project and um and you know fourteen thousand in and and um and materials alone and so the guy had given me seven thousand dollars down on fifty on that Monday he's gonna give me another seven thousand on Friday when we finish so like you know obviously it's seven thousand I deposited like we go through the whole week like we we start you know paying everything and paying off everything and at the same time it was like a perfect storm like that time we had rented skid steers. So like I rented a skid steer. We had wrecked it. So, I mean, they had hit me with like a $2,000 bill there. You know, my, my, my gear payment, my insurance payment, like payroll that week, everything. It was like a perfect storm. Like everything hit. Yeah. And so I, I go to the bank on Friday and I'm like, Hey, I need to, you know, obviously go ahead and get a bank statement and I'm going to write checks to the pay uh, to the employees. So I need to see kind of where we're at. And she hands me the thing and I had two employees in my truck with me. And I had $45 in my business account. Oh. And I was like, hold on, I'll be right in. And so I came in and I was like, what happened? And she said, well, this check that you deposited on Monday for 7000 you know, there's no money in that account. And I was like, excuse me? And then she goes, yeah, and this one you've got right here. She goes, there's you know, same cut, same guy. He's like, there's no money in that account. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I called the customer. Cause I hadn't seen the customer all week. Like we didn't see him when we finished the project nothing. So I was like, what is going on? And I, and I won't say his name, but like, I was like, what is going on? I was like, yo, this is so unlike you. And he goes, man, my wife left me and clear. He goes, was there a moving truck here on Tuesday? And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, my wife cleaned the house out while I was at work. And I was like, well, I thought it was odd. Like she was loading stuff up. I was like, I didn't really think about it. I was like, cause y'all just moved here. I was like, so maybe y'all are getting new furniture. He goes, no, she cleaned the house out and the bank accounts, and it's going to be a couple of weeks before I can pay you. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I called my dad in the parking lot. Once again, I've got two guys in the truck. And I said, Dad, I said, I need, I need $3,000. He was like, what? And I said, I need $3,000. So I explained when I get home, you know, can, you, can you please just like wire me $3,000? He said, no. And I said, well, Dad, what am I going to do? And he said, go inside. And at the time, the banker was named Ben Sarno, uh, still friends with him today. 
uh, Ben Sarno was the bank manager and I went and I said, Ben, I don't know what happened. I said, I've got no money. I can't make payroll. I said, can I please get a credit line? And he's like, Ben, you don't have credit. You've paid cash for everything. And I said, Ben, I, I don't care. I just need money. And he was like, yeah, we'll give you 5,000 at 20% interest. And I was like, perfect. I was like, I don't care what the interest is. Just give me the money. And he was like, okay. And so they wired the money. Uh, that time I was able to make payroll. And the next week I started from ground zero again, after three years of building up what I had, I had mismanaged as an 18 year old, all the money I had made. Wow. I mean, I, you know, I had missed, I had mismanaged and spent close to $50,000 cash in two weeks, just mismanaging, paying off stuff. That was stupid buying trucks. Um, so yeah, that was probably like one of the lowest points, obviously in my entrepreneurship venture of, you know, lawn care was, you know, hitting rock bottom. Yeah. And that's kind of why, you know, the, the whole foundation of, you know, start right. Cause that was kind of where I started three years down the road. That was where I started back at ground zero, similar to Corey Ballard, you know, started back at ground zero and, uh, and, and went back to the, Hey, let's get everything organized and do it right. Which is kind of where I'm starting this, you know, next venture mm-hmm. or in this next venture. So yeah, that's a, uh, that's my rock bottom story is, uh, you know, literally having my employees watch me cry in the company truck of a bank of America on highway 92. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <So. laughs> thanks for sharing that that's um that's crazy not too many people would uh would share that uh that, but that's that's the real real deal that's things that happen uh when, happens. yeah when you're young and uh you know you're inexperienced and um you know there's uh immature yeah I mean, it, maturity had a lot to get play on it i mean yeah i just yeah i learned a lot from that day yeah i mean yeah, the that's. I'm sitting in now. I learned a lot from that day. Yeah, yeah, and you'll never make those mistakes again. That's the thing, right? Um, so, no, no, I will not. And and that's the thing, right? Uh, like you say, you can go, and uh, I, I always say things like that is uh, basically uh, paying your tuition uh, for uh, the you know being an entrepreneur, right? You can go to uh, school oh, yeah. and pay tuition for an education there, or you pay it in real life for your education. Yeah, they're going to uh, get. That, they're gonna get that tax yeah that, that entrepreneurship tax on you and that's and that's part of it i mean you know there's there's very few people that i know in this industry or business alone that had not in the first five years did not mismanage their money yeah you know, i would say 99 percent of them had mismanaged their money and went back to zero at some point yeah yeah where you're just, just, just part of it just bad purchases just all sorts of things that uh you think mm-hmm. you need, but you don't really need. And it's just, yeah, yeah. it's all a learning experience. So, um, so what is your favorite thing about being uh, self-employed? Flexibility. Okay. I, I 100% love the flexibility. I love that it's, you know, it's dependent on me. You know, I have to get, I have to choose to get out of bed at 6 a.m. You know, nothing's going to happen unless I do. Yeah. So that's, that's something I love. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, in what ways uh, do you market your business and maybe share your number one marketing tip? Yeah. So we market, um, we market by obviously Instagram. We have kind of stayed away from Facebook because I feel like on there, a lot of people, you know, call you and ask you what the price is or, or that kind of stuff. So, so one of the biggest things we do from a marketing standpoint is, you know, I, I invest heavily in apparel. I invest heavily in hats. Um, I give them out to a lot of people. I give them out to a lot of my friends. Uh, I give them out to clients. Um, we market from, you know, it's 
we, we just bought an enclosed trailer, which I'm super excited about. I've never owned one in all the years I've been in this industry. I had a conversation with Brian and, uh, and I was like, what, you know, what do I buy? And he's like, just buy what you want. And, um, he's like, just make sure it's big enough. And so we're, we're about to have that wrapped. Um, so from a marketing standpoint, we don't really do a whole lot other than, you know, we, we call it a little, little bit of swag. You know, we give hats away and service tumblers and that kind of stuff. Just, uh, just to keep people talking, you know, like, like I always tell people, it was just, you want to stay in the front of somebody's head. You know, you want to be on their, you want to be on their minds. So the best thing, the best thing you can do is just give them a hat that they're going to wear. And I, and I'll tell you, one of the, one of the coolest like things that happened to me this year, it's, it's such a small thing, but you know, it's one of those things that makes me happy and everybody's different. But it was like seeing a buddy of mine on vacation with his wife at this really nice resort sitting by the pool and she posts a picture and she's got like 10,000 followers on Instagram and he's wearing my hat. Like uh, that to me is a, that to me is like that's that's one of those like level of successes like that that is success to me like a buddy of mine is sitting by the pool at a resort with my hat on like, that's <laughs> so cool to me yeah that is cool so that's that, so we do we you know we take a small approach to marketing but you know like I said we're we're doing the whole quality slow slow growth thing right now and it's and it's it's working it's growing faster than I thought so you know everything kind of surprises you. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, interesting how that, uh, I would say, the sort of the same sort of idea and sort of those small town uh, type situations. Um, you know, when I, yeah. uh, my uh, story starting out with a franchise company and stuff, and then when I decided to leave and start my own brand, um, it was in a part of town uh, that was um, like that. It's part of the big city, but it's still sort of the historical uh, part yeah. of town. And it's very small town, uh, even though I'm in Canada, it's very uh, small town USA feel. Uh, lots of, yeah. uh, you know, farms and stuff around in either direction um you know and then your little subdivisions here and there with newer houses and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh you know i thought same thing uh, just that whole small town feel the company grew so fast uh the first uh, few years where i thought it would take you know three years or so you know typical business startup that they say uh and you know in the first uh you know three to six months i was already fully loaded and i was like that's crazy that uh you know it uh, it grew so fast what a great story um so one of the most uh, common questions uh, that I get in my business when I meet somebody uh, or I'm uh, working for a client for the first time, uh, inevitably, they always ask me, so what do you do in the wintertime? So is there a winter or off season uh, in your business? And if so, uh, what do you do in the wintertime? So we bill, um, so we bill, you know, we've got biweekly and weekly customers. So we bill 20, they're 26 weeks and it's a biweekly or, or we're 52. So we bill year round. Okay. Um, my winter consists of about eight weeks. So, you know, I don't, I don't snow plow, which is great. I hate snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't do cold weather. So, so our, our, I would say our mowing shutdown is really like December 1st. That's kind of like where it ends for me. We don't have a lot of big, uh, we don't have a lot of big leaf cleanups here. We have a lot of pine trees. Okay. So we're kind of down in pa- paper country. Uh, I would say probably, you know, 50% of your paper that comes out of the U S probably comes down from where I'm from. Okay. There's just so many paper trees. Um, so we don't, we don't, uh, we don't plow. We don't do any of that stuff. So, but we have about eight weeks off. So what we do during that time, obviously I, you know, if I'm still working my other job, I'm doing that, you know, five hours a day, whatever. And then I, and then we kind of just, you know, mow down stuff low, uh, clean up some dry, some low spots. If we see them at properties, 
you know, if we know that historically, like this part of the yard stays super wet, we'll bring some sand in, um, and then right into, you know, and then obviously we're big hunters down here. So we, we, we hunt in the off season and you know, do what we want to, which is great. And, um, you know, and then we get right up into February, March, we ramp really heavily into top dressing. Okay. We do a lot of sand, a lot of top dressing, um, a lot of, you know, I don't say aerating, but like punching, so yep. we punch a lot of yards and, and we'll, you know, we'll do some seeding here and there, but we do a lot of top dressing. So that's, a that's one, that's one of those services we, you know, that's, that's those odd services that people may not always do that we, um, that we do and we love and it's very profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's um, a, a great uh, sort of plan that you got to go on. That it reminded me. Um, you said you're in uh, um, in uh, Georgia, is it? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was just uh, when you were saying the punching and stuff, it uh, reminded me of an uh, interview I did uh, a few years ago. Uh, I don't even think he's in business anymore. Uh, in terms of that, I think he changed industries with Matt Lamarche, um, but he had started uh, Atlanta Aeration, uh, and he was just doing yeah. just aerations and stuff in that uh, yeah in that area. Yeah. Um, what are your um, future plans or goals for your business? So. Yes, that's interesting. So we, um, you know, my future, my goal for this year was to get to the point where um, this thing would be, you know, I don't want to say stable, but to the point where, okay, it's going to throw off, you know, $2,000 a month and, you know, our equipment's going to be paid for or, or it's going to be on a track to be paid down or we're going to have a, we're going to have a, you know, we had a meeting with our accountant and say, hey, we got a, we had a plan to, to write this off and appreciate it. Um, so that was kind of my goal for this year was make a make a plan of of how we're going to get structurally set up, how our books are going to be set up, how's our tax rate going to be set up, and then and then uh, and then grow. <laughs> and so I started, you know, I started the summer off with, uh, you know, like I said, a fifty percent less laws than I have now, which is great. Um, I'm now, you know, I'm not a huge company, but I, yeah, I'm generating you know, four or five thousand dollars a month in revenue, which is great just from maintenance. Um, and then I've got obviously the weekend stuff that I try and do, um, as far as install. So I would say the biggest, uh, the goal for me next year is to double the, double the lawn again. I would like to have close to 50 next year. Okay. Um, and then that would give me enough to make the jump, yep. um, to do it full time. And so that's kind of my goal for next year is, is to you know, get, get 50 right lawns. You know, don't get 50, don't get you know, 40, you know, don't try and go get a hundred. Get 50 of the correct clients, yeah. the yeah. ones that pay on time, the ones that want you to have their credit card, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, to me, would be a good goal for next year. Yeah. 50 of the right people. Yeah. That's uh, that's a great mindset. Uh, it, it's always uh, funny, um, I think. Uh, you know, being on Instagram and stuff like that, I get tons of questions from people from all over. And inevitably, one of the you know, common questions that happens from uh, younger, uh, you know, uh, like teenage yeah. uh, kids starting out a, a business and stuff is they ask, how many clients do you have? How many clients do you have? And I never answer the question because I know yeah. what they're thinking. You know, I could say, you know, the number that I have and they'll probably be like, well, I got like a hundred and something. So, you know, I must be more successful or something like that. And it's like, you have yeah. no clue 
what you're dealing with like the do you have the right just like you said do you have the right you know customers look at i give the example all the time look at paul camara who's been in business multi-generational uh has multiple multiple employees he's got like three of those isuzu or hino trucks or whatever the dump trucks and stuff yeah he's got 20 clients that's it yeah. But they're year-round, full maintenance, huge acreage, like properties and stuff like that. It doesn't matter the number. It matters the quality of those clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what the young, the young, I mean, look, we were all there. Yeah. I was 18 too. I just turned 30. You know, it's taking me a long time. I talk about this and, and you know, all the business endeavors that I'm in, I've got, you know, I've, I've been in the tech side for a couple of years. I'm invested in a lot of other stuff. I've, I've got a background in other stuff. And that's, that seems to be the question that, or the, or the answer I give, no matter what industry I'm either working with or talking to or presenting to, it's always, you know, it's the same thing with the food service. But it's like, you know, I could sell equipment to anybody that literally serves food or drink, but those aren't my customers. You know, you've got the guy who's always going to buy used stuff. You've got the guy who's always going to buy junk. Like that's not my customer. You've got to know from a business standpoint, what your customer is going to be. And from there, you know, like I said, you know, it's just exactly as that Paul Kamara, you know, his clients, whatever example, you know, say he gets a thousand dollars every time he goes. Okay. What you have to do, if you're going, you know, 10 yards. Okay. So you've got to do a hundred, you know, you got to do 10, $100 yards to get to that 1000 yard. And then God forbid you're doing $30 yards. So, okay. So now you got to do 30,000. So it's like, you do the math on it and it all becomes down to what, what you value your time at. Yeah. You know, if you value your time at a $20 melon blow, great. Like that is your business. I do not leave my house for less than $60. Mm-hmm. Like will not pull out of the driveway. Yeah. And, and that's just one of those things. Like I know what I've got to make. I know what my expenses are at home. I know what my time is and I will not leave the driveway with my mower trailer for less than 60 bucks. Yeah. Just part of it. Yeah. And when you know that and you know those numbers, it makes it very easy to walk away from clients. You don't become that low baller and you're worried about, well, you know, I don't want to lose this client. I want this. I want that. You, you know that, okay, if I take on this, uh, you know, job or, you know, they're saying, can you do it for this much and stuff, they're countering your quote and stuff like that. And you take on that, you know, ahead of time that it's not worth it because you'll be losing money. It's, it's, that's that's exactly right. So it's like, no, I I walk away that my price is the price and that's it. There's no negotiation. There's no, uh, that if you take, you take it or leave it, that's that's all there is to it. I've got I've got three clients that pay less than that, and one is my in laws. I do their house for free because mm-hmm. they're my in laws. Yeah. And then I got you know my my wife's cousin who has a postage stamp yard. It takes me thirteen minutes to mow it. Um, very little weed eating. Uh, you know, there's two shrubs there, so there's like nothing. I do his for twenty five dollars because he was the first person to say, "Hey, can you take care of my yard year round?" Yeah. And he was like, I don't, you know, he's, he's 26 years old. He doesn't have a lot of money. He just doesn't want to take care of his yard. And he's like, I, I give you 25 bucks every time you come. And I was like, you know what? You're the first dude, you know, the first person that said, yes, like your yard is really nothing. I'll totally do it. And that's my thing. It's like, you know, those, those clients like that. I mean, yeah, he's, he's my cousin and yeah, yeah it's still family. Like, yeah, he's family. But my thing is, you know, he was the first one. Yeah. I mean, he was 24 and called me and gave me a chance. I yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, I was 20, I was 29 at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave me a chance. I mean, it's, you know, that's important to me. That's, you know, like I said, support the ones that'll support you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So yeah, I've got I've got some clients. You know, I, I've got some clients that barely pay. You know, barely pay anything. But I mean, if they if they knew how much revenue was pulled from them from being able to do their yard or them, you know, getting me access to people. I mean, that's, there's some, there's some, there's some money you can, there's some tangible assets you can put towards that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and a dollar amount you can put towards that. Those people that actually, Hey, they support you and they, you know, they talk you up and they drive a lot of clients your way. That's, you know, yeah. Sometimes give them a break. Yeah, absolutely. So this next question yeah. is probably uh, the next um, <clears throat> one that kind of gives people uh, sort of pause for thought. Uh, it's a bit of a fun question. Uh, so can is there a weirdest thing that you've seen or has happened to you uh, during business? Are there any fun stories you can share? Oh my gosh. I like I could write a book on <laughs> stuff like this. You know, like I have stories running through my head like the time you know, my maintenance guy ran the zero turn into the shrub that was had a huge beehive nest in it. I oh, no. the hospital and the, to like the time like we turned a railroad tie over on his foot and had a nail in it and went through his boot. Oh no. so, like this is like my ultimate. So I, I had some clients, I had a family and um and I, I did like twelve other houses and they were uh, they were a foreign family. I, I did a bunch of their houses for them. Great people. I mean I got invited to their to their child's baptism when it was like born. I mean, like they're yeah. some of the nicest people, but the lady was older. I mean, she was like probably pushing 85, 89. And we go to her house and it was a big language, it was a big language barrier. And so she invites us in and I'm like, yeah, by the time we had got done deciphering what she was telling us was her knob had fallen off her shower and she was waiting on us to get there. And I said like, you know, okay, we mow the grass. And she was like, can you help me? And I said, well, yeah, you know, let me see what we can do. And I go, how long has the water been on? And she goes five days. And I'm like five days. And she goes, I know you come on Tuesday. So I was just waiting for you to get here. (laughs) My, uh, one of my employees and I were just like rolling on the floor. We're like, what do we do? So, so luckily we went in there, we got some channel locks, we shut it off. You know, like I said, she's an older lady. I told my guys and looks, just stay here. I'm going to run to Ace Hardware at the top of the hill. I'm going to grab some new shower knobs and I'm going to put them on for her and we're just going to, you know, like call it a day. Like we're going to take care of her. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was just one of the things you did. Like, Hey, I know how to change a shower knob. Like we're going to do it for, it's going to cost me five bucks, Yeah, but it's going to be one of those things. And so I call her son and I'm like, I said, Hey, so-and-so I said, you know, your wife's had her water or your, your mom's had her water on for five days. And he goes, I know. And he goes, I kept telling her to call a plumber and she just kept saying, Ben will come, Ben will come, Ben will come. And he goes, did you fix it? And I said, I did. And he goes, send me a bill. I was like, nah, your water bill is going to be high enough. I'm not going to send you a bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, that was like one of those like hilarious stories that showed up and, you know, it's like you wear all hats, you know, I've yeah. had people, I've had people, can you change, you know, can you change light bulbs? Can you do this? It's one of those things like, if you got the tools and you got the time, just do it. Cause you know, little things like that go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that as well. Customers like literally waiting all week uh, just to ask me, you know, can <laughs> can I do this for them or do that for them or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, for one, it's obviously convenience because they know you're coming, uh, but it's also the yeah. trust, right? They know you, they trust you um, and they don't want to deal yeah. with, with somebody else. Right. So that goes a long way, yeah. right. If you could take care of them, um, even if it's something yeah. that's uh, not uh, really related. Um, yeah. So, so we're all hats as Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what is uh, one hidden pitfall with running a lawn care business that you see prevents 
other people from succeeding. So this is maybe something that you notice competition doing um, and you look at that and you're like, mm, they shouldn't be doing that. So, so I, I put a lot of, um, I put a lot of emphasis on what you look like at a property. Like, cause I mean, look, that's, that's your marketing. I mean, when you drive by, and you see somebody mowing the grass, I think it's important to look good. I think it's important to look like you know what you're doing, look professional, you know, be on the right gear. You know, it's the littlest things like make sure your make sure your crew has the same clothes on. Like if it's khaki pants or jeans, doesn't matter. Make sure they're wearing the same thing. You know, make sure like no cut off sleeve shirts. You know, there's little things like that that I put a lot of emphasis on. Um from a, from a standpoint of, you know, your, your image, you know, we talk a lot about image, you know, that's your image, that's your brand. And I think a lot of competition just kind of, you know, rolls out of bed every morning, throws on their gym shorts and their t-shirts and, and they go. And it's, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but the cus- the average customer can't tell if you've got a $15,000 diesel Kubota on the back of your truck or a $1,200, you know, Lowe's special yep. zero turn. You know, the average customer cannot tell that. But what they can tell is when you're in a shirt that has holes all in it and the sleeves are cut off and you're wearing gym shorts and, you know, that's something they can tell. So, yeah. you know, look at, look at your accounts from the, from your customer's eyes and, and ask yourself, what are they going to notice that's going to, that's going to make them have a positive image on me? Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't do because yeah, it's hot. I mean, but, but don't wear gym shorts. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's a dirty, dirty job. But throw the shirt away that's missing the sleeves and that's all winning. You know, look at look at you know, I, I talk a lot about this of you know, when I when I have a painter over, you know, if my painter comes in and he doesn't have paint on his clothes, I probably don't want him. Yeah. Like, you know, that's you know, but but I do want him to like not smell like booze and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, if he can come in like smelling like water or or nothing at all, like great. You know, that's that's great. You know, yeah, but yeah. there's there's those there's those images that I think are important yeah. that people need to ask themselves more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you were to start uh, your uh, business all over again, what is one thing you would do differently? <sighs> Buy a different mower. Oh, okay. I mean, to be, to be completely honest, I would, yeah, I would, I would, um, I would have put more emphasis on test driving mowers rather than just going to buy one. Okay. I mean, it's a, a $6,000 investment, $10,000 investment take the time, make sure you get the right one. Don't get the shiny orange one on the floor because your favorite color is orange. Yeah. yeah. I think it's cool. Like I did, <laughs> um, you know, watch some YouTube videos, watch, listen to some podcasts, make sure you do the research and also make sure like, I didn't do this either, but, um, you know, cause I thought I knew everything, which I should have known better. Nobody does ever. Um, make sure you're getting the right mower to cut the turf you're cutting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a big deal. I did not, I did not make sure the mower that I was getting was going to be the correct mower for the type of grasses I was going to be mowing. Okay. Um, great answer. Uh, what is your biggest frustration about running a lawn care business? Oh, 100% labor. I mean, dependable labor has got to be the hardest part. Okay. You know, uh, like I said, I don't have any employees right now. I use some 1099 guys, that kind of stuff. But dependable labor is, is something that's, you know, haunted me last time I did this and haunts me now. You know, it's always going to be something that uh, that I think we're going to have to battle in this industry. 
It's just going to be how we're going to overcome it. You know, there's not going to be, you know, Husqvarna's got one out there, but, you know, oh, robots, you know, you can get robots to pick in a warehouse. You can get robots to flip hamburgers at McDonald's. You know, you're still going to have to be able to ride the mower. You're still going to have to have people that know how to edge um, and, and just people that don't want to do this or think that they know everything as soon as they come in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say is one resource that you use the most in building your lawn care business? Uh, I would say YouTube. Okay. I, I, uh, I mean, Callie, when I was younger, I mean, I built, I would take full on retaining law jobs with YouTube and screwed up a lot. Um, I would say like YouTube is probably what I use the most from a resource of, you know, finding out how to fix my mower, um, you know, researching new mowers to blowers, that kind of stuff. I still firmly believe on like, Hey, don't go build a retaining wall from YouTube. Trust me. I tried it. It was a catastrophic, costly disaster. (laughs) It cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. Look, if you've got questions on how to do a job or, you know, and I would tell all these young guys, like young guys, turn your ears on now. Like if you do not listen to one thing on this podcast, listen to this right now. Do not be afraid to pick up the phone and call another landscape company in the area. You're 16, 18, 25 years old. They're not afraid of you. Yeah. Right? Not afraid of your, your maintenance programs and that kind of stuff. Go call those guys and ask them if you can come watch a job. I mean, I'm 30 years old. There's a guy here in my town named Bobby Wright. He's probably mid sixties. He owns Wright Landscaping, Wright Outdoors. They're a huge company down here. I, I ask, I call Bobby all the time. I'm like, Hey, you know, are you getting turf this week? I need a pallet of sod. And he's like, yeah, I'll just throw it on my truck. You know, like it, it can ride over for free. You know, hey, I'm you know I'm I'm having trouble trying to figure out how to build a patio, and he's like, hey, we just built one over at this place, or we're day one into this one. You know, go over there and watch for a few hours. Uh, I've got some friends, Kyle Cooper, who owns Property Masters in Atlanta, and Jay Smith. I mean, Team Turf, Matt Hubbard, those guys out of Atlanta. I mean, you could literally pick up the phone and call any of those guys and ask them, hey, you know, I, are you guys building a patio next week? I need to figure out how to do it. Can mm-hmm. I come watch? Yeah. Or can I come work? And look, you're free labor. Like you're, you're 16, 18, 25 years old. You're free labor. Go work with their crew for a week and learn how to do it yeah. and yeah. do it the right way. We have enough people in this industry doing shoddy work and that don't know what they're doing and have a little more pride for yourself than just trying to make a quick, you know, thousand bucks or 2000 bucks or whatever it is. Go learn how to do this stuff properly and build yourself a proper network of quality landscape guys that are going to give you the right answer. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, uh, a great, uh, piece of advice and something I've done, um, you know, in my younger years too, is what is volunteer, yeah. just volunteer to learn those skills to volunteer. sort of, and, and even just to get your feet wet and see if it's something you want to get into. And uh, you may realize, uh, before, you know, uh, quoting the job or, doing any of that and getting yourself yeah. in too deep, you may decide that, you know, it's over your head or that you need, you know, specific yeah. tools that you're not going to be able to run or whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's a great piece of uh, advice there. Um, what is one thing that uh, people don't realize about running a lawn care business? The amount of after hours work that goes into it. Yes. Hands down. Nobody understands the amount of like billing hours you put in maintenance on your mowers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why lowballing is not <laughs> the thing you want to do because that's all exactly. unpaid, all unpaid time there. Uh, so we're down to the last two questions. 
This next one uh, is uh, another one of my absolute favorites. So I want you to share your best piece of advice for those just starting out in the business. But I want you to come at this from the point of view that the person asking you is somebody that you uh, that you know and uh, that you only want to see the best for. So if somebody uh, came up to you and said, hey, Ben, I'm thinking about starting a lawn care business. What's your best piece of advice for me? What would you tell them? Don't, don't do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would say, I, I, you know, I, I, I've had people approach me about this. Um, you know, I tell everybody, I say, I, I say it's a great industry with some of the greatest people you will ever meet, but you have got to be willing to put in the time and the effort and go the extra mile. Yeah. And that's why I talk to everybody is you've got to just be able to, you've got to put your special stamp on every yard. If you're just going to show up and half-ass it, you know, you're not going to make it. Yeah, you've got to be personable, you know. And that's the thing is, tell, you know, do do what you're going to tell people you're going to do, and and that's the most important thing. Yeah, awesome. That's a great piece of advice. Um, so, last question. It's an easy one. Uh, how can people follow you online? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at uh, at Bishop Landscape Group. Um, that's where we market right now. Um, that's where we we ask people to follow us at. Uh, we're very, very, um, uh, I want to say talkative on there. We're very, uh, into Instagram. We, we always respond. We love talking to other people. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I love talking to my local competitors. Uh, even though one down here blocked me from everything, he just thought it was weird that I wanted to be friends with him. <laughs> That's crazy. So anybody on Instagram, um, you know, come talk to us. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in the South Georgia area, Waycross area. I'm 45 minutes from um, Brunswick. I'm an hour from Jacksonville. I love to meet, have coffee, talk about this kind of stuff. So if any of y'all are in the area and want to want to grab a coffee or something like that or, you know, water because we're landscapers are always dehydrated. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, give me a call. My, my number's on my Instagram. We'd love to talk. Awesome. So thank you, Ben, for uh, coming on to the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, out to uh, come and uh, share your story with Long Gear Nation. Thank you. This is great. It was a lot of fun. Look uh, forward to hopefully doing another interview once the company gets a little bit bigger. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds like a plan. Awesome. Thank you again. So there you have it, Long Care Nation. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that value-packed uh, interview episode with Ben Bishop from Bishop's Landscape Group. I'll leave a link in the podcast show notes to uh, Ben's uh, uh, Bishop Landscape Group Instagram account. Make sure you go over there and uh, hit the follow and uh, follow his journey. Uh, so uh, if uh, you guys enjoyed this episode again, uh, just a quick reminder to leave a, a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Really would appreciate that if you're interested in coming uh, onto the podcast and doing an interview and sharing uh, your story, uh, the best way to do that is to uh, head on over to uh, Instagram while you're hitting that follow button for uh, Bishop Landscape Group. Head on over to the Lawn Care Business Success uh, account there uh, and just send me a DM and let me know that uh, you uh, are interested in uh, doing a podcast interview. Uh, so uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.